Thanks for checking out the Candeo podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at candeochurch.com. Yeah, they, they took a huge risk putting a history teacher up in front of you. And they said, they said something about, I have till noon today since there's only one service. So, you know, settle in, settle in. No, I, I want to begin this morning uh, by just thanking the elder team for this opportunity. The Word of God uh, is um, a book that even after more than 40 years of walking with God, I'm still trying to understand, still trying to learn from. And uh, my wife, Chris, and I first started coming to Candeo about four years, a little more than four years ago after we had moved to the Cedar Valley. And then as we interact with people from this church, uh, one of the first things that you, you know, why do you come here? What's, what is it about this church that, that uh, causes you to want to continue to be a part of this uh, family of God? And almost without exception, one of the first things that people said is because the Bible's taught here. It's, that's the focus of what we do on a Sunday morning. And um, that's what interesting because uh, I believe that the faithful teaching of the Bible, that God continues to bless this ministry and the people connected with it because we recognize the importance of this book that we're going to be looking a little bit closer at this morning. Combine that with how God continues to work in my own life, and I, I want to take a closer look at a passage in that scary Old Testament, as Jake referred to it a couple of weeks ago, uh, because I think one of the things that happens to us as well is we look at the Bible and we pick it up, and there are parts of it that we feel more comfortable reading. It seems to speak more directly to our lives here in the 21st century. And so we open up the New Testament pretty regularly, and we are familiar with parts of the Old Testament, like uh, we know stories in Genesis and we know stories in Exodus, and we've probably looked at uh, some of uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and the Psalms, uh, but there's actually a whole lot more in that Old Testament that's worth looking at. So as you're turning to 2 Chronicles chapter 34, maybe have someone sitting next to you show you where that's at. 2 Chronicles chapter 34, okay? Uh, Here in this Christmas season, we're aware of the birth of the Christ child, God now with us in human form. We're excited about that. Um, But the fact that it touches our hearts at this time of year, it also leads to times of reflection, like Jake talked about. For whatever reason, we get to slow down a little bit here, and we get a chance to assess what has happened and then try and focus in on what we would like to see go better or what, how we would like to be better in 2022 as it, as it dawns on us here in the next week. A new year often gives us hope for better things ahead as well. And let's keep all of that in mind as we look at the biblical story of a man known as King Josiah. Josiah became the king of Judah at the age of eight, just when we're all ready to take on that responsibility. He took over after the brief reign of his father, Amon, who was assassinated by his own officials after serving two years as the king of Judah. And then the people of Judah killed all of the men who plotted against King Amon. So you can imagine what a wonderful opportunity this was for an eight-year-old to walk into that type of a setting and circumstances. And he stepped into that craziness to lead the nation of Judah, which at that time 
was years a, a few short years away from going into exile. The nation itself would be destroyed, Jerusalem would be leveled, the temple with it as well. And it would be because of their lack of following God, their lack of being obedient to the law of God. Ammon and Manasseh, the predecessors to King Josiah, have been kings like that. And of course, as you look at kings and chronicles, you find all kinds of stories of how kings who were unfaithful to God and they led their people in that direction. Well, early in chapter 34, the Bible tells us that um, Josiah was a good king who showed better judgment than many others. And in fact, in verse 2, it says, King Josiah did what was right in the Lord's sight and walked in the ways of his ancestor, David. So back in these times, if you were compared to or put in line with King David, that was a good place to be. That's what you would desire as a king because he represented a man after God's own heart to lead his nation. So verse 3 says, When the king was 16 years old, he began to seek God. And in his 12th year as king, at the age of 20, Josiah began to assert his will by removing the various idols from the land and abolishing all of the pagan places of worship. He took these steps not only in his kingdom, but also in areas of the northern tribes of Israel, as it tells us in verses 6 and 7. And while all of this is good, it doesn't tell the complete story of King Josiah. And we're going to go into the rest of the story, as they like to say, this morning. In the 18th year of his reign, when he was 26 years old, Josiah ordered repairs to the temple in Jerusalem. God also blessed that effort, and one day something happens, and Josiah's life and the trajectory for the nation of Judah is changed. Let's start reading in verse 14 and continue through the end of this particular chapter. When they brought out the silver that had been deposited in the Lord's temple, the priest Hilkiah found the book of the law of the Lord written by the hand of Moses. Consequently, Hilkiah told the court secretary, Shaphan, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. And he gave that book to Shaphan. Shaphan took the book to the king and also reported, your servants are doing all that was placed in their hands. They have emptied out the silver that was found in the Lord's temple and have given it to the overseers and to those doing the work. Then the court secretary, Shaphan, told the king, the priest Hilkiah gave me a book. And Shaphan read it, read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. Then he commanded Hilkiah, Ahiakim, son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, the court secretary Shaphan, and the king's servant Isaiah, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for those remaining in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that was found. For great is the Lord's wrath that is poured out on us because our ancestors have not kept the word of the Lord in order to do everything written in this book. So Hilkiah and those the king had designated went to the prophetess Huldah, the wife of Shalom, son of Tokath, son of Hazra, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the second district, and they spoke with her about this. She said to them, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. 
Say to the man who sent you to me, this is what the Lord says, I am about to bring disaster on this place and on its inhabitants, fulfilling all the curses written in the book that they read in the presence of the king of Judah. Because they have abandoned me and burned incense to other gods so as to anger me with all the works of their hands, my wrath will be poured out on this place and it will not be quenched. Say this to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. As for the words that you heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants, and because you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I myself have heard. This is the Lord's declaration. I will indeed gather you to your fathers, and you will be gathered to your grave in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster that I am bringing on this place and on its inhabitants. Then they reported to the king. So the king sent messengers and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the Lord's temple with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, as well as the priests and the Levites all the people from the oldest to the youngest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. Then the king stood at his post and made a covenant in the Lord's presence to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, his decrees, and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul in order to carry out the words of the covenant written in this book. He had, a, he had all those present in Jerusalem and Benjamin agree to it. So all the inhabitants of Jerusalem carried out the covenant of God, the God of their ancestors. So Josiah removed everything that was detestable from all the lands belonging to the Israelites, and he required all who were present in Israel to serve the Lord their God. Throughout his reign, they did not turn aside from following the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Three points, because... I was taught how to preach, so you always have three points, right? <laughs> three points. Number one, the importance of reading God's Word. Number two, the personal impact it had on King Josiah individually. And then number three, the impact on those that King Josiah had an influence on. Number one, then, the, in the restoration of the temple, the priest Hilkiah found the book of the law of the Lord written by the hand of Moses. So, I don't know what you do with your Bible, but it's not the type of book, like when you walk through the hallways at Waterloo Christian School where I teach, and you see the lockers of the kids, the books we give them, <clears throat> not really well taken care of, okay? We don't do that with our Bibles, right? We don't like set them at the bottom of our locker or underneath a shelf or anything, you know, we kinda, Take good care of it. See, see, look how nice this one is. But for whatever reason, at this particular time, this book of the law was misplaced. It came from the first five books of the law at that point, the Pentateuch as it was known, the five books of the law. And like I mentioned earlier, many of us are familiar with Genesis and stories in Exodus, but when it comes to stories in the books of can you even name the other, th other five, okay? They are, of course, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, okay? 
and you probably are getting ready to read them later today, but um, those scrolls were apparently lost during the bad leadership of previous kings. They were set aside, put underneath, got lost, dusted up, un not, not readily available, not used. And these scrolls, not exactly books that uh, we get excited about reading even today because somehow or another, we don't think they really apply to our lives in the 21st century. They're filled with a lot of dietary rules and laws for making God's people stand out from the rest of the nations that they were surrounded by in Israel and Judah. But they're full of those laws and they're meant to cause the lives of the people of Israel to be impacted by the rules God had put in front of them. And listen to the impact as the king who was seeking to follow God in those days listened to what they said. Verse 19, when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. King Josiah was personally convicted it had an impact. My daughters like to use the phrase, he was wrecked. I don't know what that means. But he was wrecked. Okay? Hebrews 4 verse 12 tells you and I that for the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And that is exactly what's going on in King Josiah's life. He quickly responded to the word of God with repentance. It impacted him. Hopefully the way I respond when I see truth in the word of God as well. He tore his robes. In verse 21, he told his officials to go and inquire of the Lord for him. And it goes on to say, For great is the Lord's wrath that is poured out on us because our ancestors have not kept the word of the Lord in order to do everything written in this book. How many times have you read this book and it has penetrated because I'm not living up to that. I'm not meeting my responsibilities that God has made clear for me. Hearing the word of God has a profound impact. Transformative power from these words that God has given us. And that leads to point two. Look at the response from King Josiah beyond tearing his robes. Obeying God's law apparently matters. And there are real consequences when you and I don't follow those commands. The excuse that I just didn't realize it or I didn't know isn't going to cut it. God expects us to be people of this book, not just listen to it as it is taught to us on Sundays. Josiah's officials went to one of the Old Testament female prophets of that day, Huldah, and she confirmed the truth and the upcoming disaster of exile that was coming. It wasn't going to be able to be brushed off. The truth, the results, the consequences of disobedience were going to happen. 
failure to follow God was going to bear a significant weight for the people of Israel. But she also had words for King Josiah, beginning in verse 27. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants, and because you humbled yourself before me and tore your clothes and wept before me, I myself have heard. God heard. I hope that as I respond to God's word, that God hears me. What a great place to be. What a a valuable position to be in, that we have a God like that. And it's the same God today that it was in King Josiah's time. He hasn't changed. There are few better feelings than to experience the cleansing from God that comes when we humbly put ourselves before him, repent of our sin, our lack of obeying his commandments, and he cleanses us. In fact, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I know I need that cleansing. I remember a few years ago, Uh, Again, shortly after we moved here, one of the things that God really impressed upon my heart was a passage in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. And in it, it, the reference is to a new command that he was giving to his disciples. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Standing up here this morning, I can't tell you that I've really incorporated all of that new command, but I know it's important. I know that I have to find a way to continue to live that out in my life, and God has impressed that upon me significantly in this time here. It's affected my relationships, how I look at people. God's used it to soften my heart and open my eyes two good places for me to be and I believe for us to be as well. And that's exactly what God did in King Josiah's life as well. He opened his eyes that God wants us to interact with his word and the truth of it and the impact that that has. So God makes it clear he wants us to read his word regularly and God wants us to humbly respond to it in repentance and to have our hearts and minds changed and transformed. But King Josiah allows God to do more than just speak to him and his circumstances. He acts on it. He's obedient to the commands of Scripture, like you and I are supposed to be, just like we're told to do in the book of James, chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And then in verse 25, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Third then, 
What did King Josiah do to positively influence the lives of people around him? To be obedient to what he had heard from the word of God. So chapter 39, he called all the people together. Excuse me, chapter 34, verse, beginning in verse 29. The long list of people that he brought together. Messengers and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went to the Lord's temple, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, as well as the priests and the Levites, all the people from the oldest to the youngest, gathered them together. But that wasn't all. As he read to them the words of the book of the covenant, in verse 31 it says, it, says, it tells the people to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, his decrees and his statutes, with all of his heart and with all of his soul in order to carry out the words of the covenant written in this book. Josiah wanted to keep the first commandment of the Lord God. Remember what that is? To love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our strength. King Josiah wanted to exhibit that. And Josiah made this very public, personal covenant with God. And he wasn't done yet. Verse 32 says King Josiah compelled all those present to follow him in this commitment that he was making. Obviously, kings of those days, it's a little bit different than our government today and how we look at them. They were the rule makers back then, readily accepted by the people to be that. There was a thing called divine right that God had put them in that place and so when they told you to do something, you were expected to follow it. That was the typical practice of the day. But verse 33 tells us the people apparently respected King Josiah maybe more than we respect our government leaders today because they did not turn aside from following the Lord throughout the rest of King Josiah's reign. So while we can certainly celebrate the leadership of a king like Josiah, the elder team reminded me as we talked about this sermon that we serve a truer and greater king. And we celebrated his arrival yesterday. This weekend has been a reminder to you and your family and all of us about the importance of Emmanuel. God is with us. Boy, that's good news. That's a blessing. We should be thankful for it. And I'm also fairly confident that while I've gotten to this point, many of you in the auditorium this morning probably readily agree with all that I've talked about. And that we should be regularly reading our Bibles. And while maybe we agree with that idea, January 2020 Barna Research Study said this. It estimates that Bible users which they define as individuals who read, listen to, or pray with the Bible on their own at least three or four times a year outside of a church service or church event had reached a 10-year lowest point in America, registering only 48% of us. So I'm thankful for the good crowd in here this morning. But that would mean that about half of us could leave, and the other half are reading our Bible outside of a church setting four times a year. That doesn't seem like much of a commitment to me. For people who value the Word of God, 
Apparently, too many of us, like the nation of Judah in 2 Chronicles, in King Josiah's time, lost track of where our Bibles are at. Rather than being illiterate when it comes to the Bible, you and I need to become more literate. We can't just want to hear the Word of God. We have to want to make it a part of our daily rhythms. Time of year when many of us will make New Year's resolutions. Maybe this week. Maybe you've already picked yours out. But maybe you will in the next couple of days. And again, we will desire to do and be better in 2022. I'm 62 years old. I know that I have began New Year's wanting to be better. And like Jake pointed out with our time in the gym, we make that on our strength, on our desire, till about mid-February. And then the life happens, right? And all of a sudden, all of those things that we wanted to do, we don't actually accomplish. That's why it's also interesting to look at the end of this passage and what Josiah wanted to do in the lives of the nation of Judah. And I want to make sure that I continue rhythms that are healthy for me and my spiritual life. So that includes reading the Bible. I hope that's a rhythm that you want to make a reality in your life. It should be. You see, I don't want to be just someone who talks about the Bible but fails to be obedient to it. I don't want to be Bible illiterate. Just a couple of weeks ago, Jake talked about viewing the law as a blessing. A blessing. You know, there are rules in our life that are actually good for us. We try to convince our kids of that, right? Like, they should go to bed, and then we stay up till all hours of the night. Just one example, all right? We should view the opportunity to read God's Word as a blessing in our life. Something He desires of us, wants us to do, but then blesses us for doing it. And that's the type of covenant that you and I should be making as we begin a new year. God uses His Word and His commandments to give us boundaries, to prevent us from wandering down our own paths and after our own desires that so often lead us to places that we really don't even want to go, but somehow end up there. My prayer for myself and for us as a church is that God would help us to see life on this earth through His eyes, through His Word, and use that so that we understand and help us accomplish things that are honoring to Him throughout 2022, that we would act and behave like the Bible really matters in our lives, that we don't misplace it or lose it or just use it as a decoration in our office or on a coffee table in our home. So as I prepared this week, one of the things that you can readily do thanks to the internet, is you can go to all kinds of places and there are all kinds of reading plans out there. Jake 
spoke about the couple that are available in our resource center, but even if you don't regularly attend here at Candeo, I'm guessing you have access to the internet, okay? And I was on one website this week. They have 18 different reading plans, okay? One website, 18 different reading plans. Let it, let it be safe to say that you and I should not use the excuse, I couldn't find one, okay? Because they're there, readily available for us. We have to take the time. We have to do the research. We have to give God the 10 or 15 or 20 minutes or whatever it might take. You know, I'm a, I'm a sports kind of guy, if you, if you are not familiar with me. And I'll stay up till 10, 30, 11, thanks. 12 o'clock at night, first clap today. That's good, thank you. I'm the kind of guy that will stay up till all kinds of hours of the evening if my particular sports team is on. You know, Stephen probably left a stain up here talking about the Kansas City Chiefs all the times he's been up here, okay? I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. If the Packers are on, I'm watching it, okay? I grew up in Wisconsin, okay? It's somehow or another, it's injected in our blood, okay? I'll stay up to do that. I will sacrifice to do that. If I lose some sleep over that, no big deal. My wife reminds me not to complain, okay? But somehow or another, you and I have difficulty in getting up 15 or 20 minutes earlier in the morning. That's too much to ask of us. That's too hard for us. I wonder, I wonder how God views that. So resources are out there if you and I want them. Time is out there if you and I are committed to it. And more than a resolution, I pray that you would make a covenant with God. God, help me this year to be more a person of your word than ever before because it's that important. It matters that much. I believe being faithful to reading God's word will produce spiritual fruit in our lives in the coming year, and that's something which we could all benefit from as a church, as a community, as the people of God. Let me pray. Dear God, thank you for your word. I am, I am regularly reminded of how you use it to speak clearly to your people and to me. Lord, I pray that I would be faithful to it. I pray that your truth would be evident throughout my life. And Lord, I pray that 2022 would be a reflection of me growing in your word and in love with you even more. And I pray that that would be true of many of us here this morning. And I pray in your son's name. Amen. This has been a message from Candeo Church. To learn more about us or to hear more messages, visit us at candeochurch.com.